Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. <laughs> Welcome to Scream Queen, a podcast about scary movies. From people not typically depicted in scary movies. You weren't expecting that, were you? And then I come with the voices. Oh, you're just like <laughs> so full of surprises, just like me. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Dre, I'm noticing something different about your head game. <laughs> <laughs> On point, right? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody caught you sleeping. <laughs> that, where'd you get, where's, where's this from? Right, Aid. you fancy huh Mm -hmm. (laughs) well let me just show the viewers a little something my i know what you did last summer t-shirt that i bought with my own money with no help from anybody else (laughs) you fucking bitch (laughs) (laughs) actually dreya sent it my way where is this shirt from uh local boogeyman in there and from la like silver lake area i believe well, she got it in a small because she knew that if I, if she knew that I knew if she got it in any size bigger than that, I would be fucking offended, even though I didn't know if I was going to be able to fit into it. But with enough stretching of the fabric, I fit into a size small. Thank you so much, Drea. <laughs> yeah, it had nothing to do with the fact that it was either a size small or a size double XL. <laughs> so I knew I wasn't going to do the other. So I was just like, well, if it has a fit, then he can like hang it up on the wall or something. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I got it. And I was like, okay, Drea knows. <laughs> what have you been up to this week? What are you watching? What are you listening to? What have you gotten into? What is culture like for Drea this week? Um, well, I was quite pleased with Miss Issa Rae on SNL. That shit was very funny. Uh, yeah, she's lovely and beautiful. Just like, she's like funny to watch and uh, super delight in that way, but she's just pretty. She's like so pretty. Uh, also, her intro was like when she was like, "I'm the first black woman to host SNL," and everyone's clapping. And she's like, "Why are you clapping? That's not even true." And then she was like, "I don't know why I decided to thrive in this moment." And I feel that so hard when it's like, "Why do I have to be thriving in the apocalypse? Like, I couldn't have done this like ten years ago." Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, like she's like, "I yeah." In 2016, when when everything happened, she was having the best time of her life on her TV show. Like, her show was one of the saving graces at that time. Like, at least I have something to, like, focus on and not think about what's going on in the world. But, yeah, it's what a weird thing. Um, but, yeah, I love that uh, part. I also, oh, she kept blaming everything on Mary J. Blige. <laughs> that shit was very funny. That was that. good. <laughs> um, also, they had, um, um, as part of the, uh, the cutout sketches, I, there was one on, they put on YouTube, and it was all about, she's, like, at a barbecue or, like, a tailgate party. 
And she's trying to describe Lovecraft Country to everybody at the tailgate party. <laughs> and nobody, they're like, wait, what? And you're like, you know, it's like, it's about, you know, racial injustice. And, you know, they talk about gender issues and all these. And then, you know, and then like Jackie Robinson shows up and then he like hits a monster with a bat. And then, <laughs> and then she just, they're like, wait, huh? And it just proceeds. And then she's, by the end of it, she's an asshole because she's like over explaining it. And she gets really like uh, racially defensive towards the only white lady at the, at the tailgate party. And I kind of see why they cut it. It was funny, though, but it was a little it was a little hardcore. Just just a tiny bit. It is nice to see, though, I mean, safety precautions and measures, like, obviously being taken place, people getting tested and all that kind of stuff. But, like, it is so refreshing to see that show and it not be, like, a Zoom feature. Yes. That, those last few episodes they did with a, as a Zoom thing, oh, Lord, that was a disaster. Uh, they tried. They tried. Um, although... Uh, Homeboy on there, Kyle Mooney, he does, I love his little shorts. That Issa Rae, uh, that No Scrubs future uh, sketch that they did, that was beautiful. It was like, look, it was like Scream meets No Scrubs. That shit was very funny. Um, other than that, though, I have um, been watching The Good Lord Bird. I, I started watching it like a couple, last week or week before. Um, it's it's about the abolitionist John Brown and seen through the eyes of a young boy who goes by the name of onion. Um, and, but he's like incognito as a girl throughout the show. And he just kind of is able to uh, pass. Um, and he doesn't want to deal with like hard labor and he knows like they'll treat him a little bit better if they think he's a, a black girl versus a black boy. Um, there's a whole lot going on in it, but they, on his, on their journeys, they meet, um, you know, people like Harriet Tubman and so on and so forth. I, uh, I think that, yeah, and Frederick Douglass, I think was on the last episode, who I just discovered had like a black wife and a white mistress, but they all lived in the same house together. What the fuck is that? <laughs> she was like okay. a, a German white, like not even mistress, just they had a thing going on. So anyway, that was a whole Okay, thing. so next comes the sequel to The Good Lord Bird, which is just Frederick Douglass's little house drama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, they could, just based on that. Um, and also, I saw the new film that just came out, Love and Monsters. Um, it's based on a, a... I didn't really do a whole lot of research on it, but I, it, 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 it played like it was based on a book. I'm pretty sure it had to have been a book, just the way it read. Um, but um, I liked it a lot. It was, it's about like um, some asteroids were coming towards earth and then we, sh- we sent rockets up to break up the asteroids. And then every, all the chemicals that the asteroids, uh, I mean, that the rockets sent up um, fell down on earth and made superbugs. And so basically like 90% of the population dies and everybody goes underground and um, and it's like about this guy and, the, and his girlfriend. He writes her letters and chalks her on the radio when he can. And and then they build survivalist skills. And then he finally goes into the real world to go and fight these bugs to go and see her. And uh, yeah, it kind of it really grew on me. I was surprised. And there's some familiar faces in it. And there's some cool characters. And yeah, there's. Would you say color. it's like a spiritual sequel to Monsters Ball? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 
Because I, I imagine it takes place in the same world. Well, no, roughly. I was thinking more Sling Blade. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, I got a haircut in a parking lot. Yes, you did. Um, you look real it cute. was the most Never. erotic experience I've had in the past nine months. In a um, parking lot? So where? Yeah. Well, because I was looking for places you could get haircuts outside. Mm-hmm. And I found like this barber van in West Hollywood. So I walked over there and like every now and then the man's like, uh, like would like have to bend my ear so that he could get behind my mat, like the, my mastering. And let me tell you, I was like, Mr. Barber, man, I'm about to bust in your chair. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's the, the most anybody has touched me. And yeah. he was like kind of short, but he gave me like short King vibes. Like I couldn't really see his face cause he had a mask on, but he had real big biceps and tattoos everywhere. And I was like, beat it up King. <laughs> <laughs> Also, want to shout out my friend Kimon Felix, who has a really amazing poem on uh, Glamour Magazine's Instagram at Glamour Mag um, called "For Brianna." It's heartbreaking, but it's amazing. And Kimon, I love you. That poem is so good. That poem is so good, and it's so necessary. I mean, like it reflects very scary times, and you know, we do use this show uh oftentimes to consume media that reflects the times and the struggle and and stuff like lovecraft country speaking of we're going to be talking about the finale of lovecraft country we don't want to see you go baby but we got to so we're going to talk about you we're going to also talk about black box from uh one of the new features on amazon that is from the welcome to the blumhouse series and we're gonna end it with our scream queen of the week coco jones in Vampires versus the Bronx. Okay. Um, first up, our main discussion part uno. Uh, it's Black Box, part of the uh, new Blumhouse anthology. I believe there's supposed to be eight films in total, but these is, this is part of the first four. Um, it was written by Emmanuel Osei-Kufour. Let me do that again. Emmanuel Ose Kufour Jr. and Stephen Herman. It's, uh, let's see, after losing his wife and his memory in a car accident, a single father undergoes an agonizing experimental treatment that causes him to question who he really is. It stars Mamadou Athi. He was in Underwater, which we covered uh, last season. That was with um, Kristen Stewart and... Um, he was also in Uncorked, which was on Netflix um, over the summer. Uh, that was with Courtney B. Vance. It's, it's good. And, of course, it stars the effervescent uh, Felicia Rashad. Yeah, that's, you know. It, it was so really cute. good to see her on my screen, first mm-hmm. of all. Second of all, she has less wrinkles than a white boy in his 20s who goes to the beach a lot. You know what I mean? Like, she just, she looks she's great. Pure. She's pure. She's not pure evil like a whole lot of other motherfuckers out there. You know, and, and when you're evil on the inside, it reads on the outside. Hello, Stephen Miller. We see you. <laughs> um, I liked this movie, actually. It was a little bit kind of gave me the cell vibes, uh, a little bit memento, and honestly, like a little bit quantum leap. Because, you know, in every episode, he would wake up in somebody else's body. And mm-hmm. he would always have that moment where, he, where Scott Bakula would like look into his reflection and like see somebody else. So it gave me all of those kind of vibes. And uh, I want to also shout out Troy James, who was also Pretzel Jack. 
he played the like ghost version of Nolan or like the the weird spooky version of Nolan when he would like crawl out of the crib and all that kind of stuff and and uh, Mamadou was talking about there was no CGI when it came to that like that was all uh, Troy James the contortionist who was also uh, Pretzel Jack and also like um, Amanda Christine who played Ava Nolan's daughter I thought she did a really good job with this role um and it was like I I what was interesting about it I thought was, was you know, I saw this and I saw obviously um, Evil Eye last week and um, I saw The Lie, which was, I haven't seen Nocturne yet, but I've seen three of the initial four um, the films in this Welcome to the Blumhouse series. And I don't know if you feel this way, Drea, but like these did not feel like Blumhouse films necessarily like like the the type of horror that i associate with jason blum which is like gory and more like horror horror like these are i think more in addition to being horror, like more dramas like psychological dramas family dramas like it doesn't have the same amount i think of like scares that i would think of would be associated with like a typical blumhouse feature and that's not a judgment that's just like an observation and it's interesting to no, see it going in more, this way not mature but yeah i mean it does it does feel more like a refined palette for blumhouse yeah so it's, it's an interesting direction that they've taken with this clearly and, and again I, I think there's supposed to be a ribbon that connects all these films i haven't seen nocturne and i haven't seen the lie i've only seen black box and the eye so far but i do plan on watching the other two and kind of seeing if how those two play out i know the lies about well, I, I can only gather so much from the trailer. And Nocturne sounds good, and it's got Homegirl from Euphoria in it. It's also like, uh, I mean, it gives, like, the lie kind of gives me, like, the good son type of vibes. Like, there's this, like, evil child kind of a thing situation going on. But I want to shout out Davery Jacobs, who's an a indigenous Canadian actress who um, is in the lie. Um, yeah, I, I haven't been able to, to honestly... I haven't been able to discern a through line between these films just yet. I mean, I'm sure it's there. Maybe we yeah. have to be taken through the rest of these before we see how they're connected. But I mean, what I see in, in terms of like similarities between Black Box and Evil Eye, for example, is like there, it, it like you see a real struggle, like a parental struggle, right? Felicia Rashad is Dr. Brooks. And initially you think like, She's like enrolling Nolan in this study to help him regain his memories. But what we learn is that she's actually trying to um, get her, her son, Thomas, who died, whose like consciousness she downloaded into the black box. Um, she's trying to get his consciousness to overtake Nolan's because what she thinks like he had been like, after he gone through this accident where his wife died, he presented his brain dead. And so she kind of like, hooked Thomas's consciousness into Nolan's body. Mm -hmm. And she's been trying to like get him Reboot to be him. the dominant yeah. personality throughout this. Um, but then like Thomas learns that Nolan isn't all the way gone. And so he keeps seeing this contortionist version of Nolan in the black box when he goes deep into this dream state. And it's like initially a threat because it's like, Nolan is trying to over is trying to win control of his own body once again. Um, and like Thomas is like a piece of shit. Like he beats his wife. We learn that like he like hit his daughter and that's what led his wife to like push him down the stairs. And that's why he died. And like Dr. Brooks had to like bring his consciousness back. But she's also like 
I don't know. She initially presents herself as being very sympathetic and like they have like some comedy about like food and stuff like that. But then you realize that she's kind of like, it's uh, like that, like she's enabling her son's behavior in this way. And, and when Thomas, first of all, shout out to Mamadou because that man is such a good actor. Like, when he in Nolan's body becomes Thomas in front of his wife and he's like, I died out there. I, and like, he's like really scary. Like, I believed that. Like, I was scared of him. Like, his performance was so good. Mm-hmm. Like, he really, I feel like, was able to physically stay the same, but like embody two completely different characters. Yeah, he's a great actor. I've uh, liked him since I saw him pop, pop up on the screen, I don't know, like a few years ago. Um, for me, uh, the, the star of the movie was little Ava, played by Amanda Christine. She's yeah. so strong, so adorable. Like, not even, like, she doesn't even look human. Like, she's just, like, this little, like, per- I don't even know. Like, she's just so pre- perfect. Um, she's just so cute. Like, straight out of Ferngully, that's what she looks like. Uh, <laughs> she, uh, Love the reference. Love the reference. <laughs> yeah. But she's little mama, you know? She's strong and... Uh, she takes charge from day one. She just, she has to remind her father and, and walk him through the steps because, you know, he's suffered massive trauma to his, his mind and every day he has to rework and remind himself of who he is and what happened to him and like similar to Memento. Um, so um, like he starts every morning by looking at the, the first time he brought his daughter home um, from the hospital and his wife's filming him holding her and you know, and then he has to go through a photo book to remind himself of who she used to be and who his daughter is. And, and um, they start off with every time he drops her off at school, they, she's always hoping that he can remember their old handshake and they had like a special thing. Um, so we get to um, also his friend, Dr. Gary, he, he's fine. He plays a toxin. <laughs> He, uh, I, he could. I want him to punch a hole right through me. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he he came through. I liked his character. I, I'm trying to, you know, I, yeah. I don't. I can't see any any faults there. there I, I loved seeing um, the man behind uh, Pretzel Jack again. What was his character? Uh, he he has he has another stage name uh, besides that um, he goes by. I can't think of it. But anyway, uh, but I was instantly reminded also because we just watched Channel Zero of Channel Zero when I kept mm-hmm. seeing all that movement, you know. And so it took me out of it. I was just like, oh, that. It just like, oh, okay. But it's cool. It looks creepy as hell always. But I, but I and I didn't realize it was Homeboy. I didn't even know that. Um, but I'm. But I'm glad to know, like, yeah, he's the only man out there who can actually even move like that. But yeah, it, it just made me. I get what you're saying, though. And it's because, like, the contortionist thing in scary movies is such a trope. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, like, like yeah. the crab walk, like the ring girl, like that whole thing. I'm, it's not even, like, it's, it's gross and it's, like, creepy. But it's so, I don't know, it's almost like horror 101. Yeah, it's getting up there with now being overdone to a certain degree, you know, and it's like you have to present it in another way. So yeah, I, it, that those moments were should have been scarier than they were, and they they weren't for me. Um, I will say that it did creep me out more when he came out of the crib 
than when he came down the yeah. aisle at the wedding. Yeah, yeah. The crib was great. There was, a, but um, I mean, the movements, all of it that he, I mean, that guy is just amazing. Like, it's just insane that he can do that. Um, I trying to think of like, yeah, I don't really have a lot of negatives for this per se. I, I feel like there, 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 it was missing. There was something missing from it. I'm not quite sure what that was. I did. I thought it was very unique and original. I really did like where it, kind of where it went. Um, you know, I wasn't quite expecting, you know, that to be the ending, and to you know to find out that his body was inhabited by this uh, this man. Um, well, basically, he was pushed to be. A, he was a doctor, and his mother was pushing him to be the best, and and then he. So all those pressures, you know, he's just. He, you know, he was just a mama's boy and he would take it on, on, on his wife. Um, and man, all, like, and also like kind of Felicia Rashad as Dr. Brooks kind of alludes to the fact that his father was, cause she was like, do you want to end up like your father? You know? Mm-hmm. And so there was like a generational like trauma or there was like a inter, like a, a familial trauma that seemed to be passed down that he was then like taking out on his like wife and daughter. You're mm-hmm. right, there was something missing. And I think like there, be, I, although all parts of it coming together made something different, it mm-hmm. didn't seem wholly original. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, what was missing? What was missing from this movie? I, I needed to know more about the backstory of the daughter and him. I needed to get more of a connection with them. I needed the little girl to have more of a role in it. She deserved to have to play out. Just she, she deserved to have like, I don't know. I don't want to see Felicia get knocked out, but it would have been kind of funny if she like, <laughs> get off my daddy and like punched her in the face or something like that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I just wanted, I wanted more, something I, I needed, there wasn't enough explained to me. I didn't feel the connection I needed to feel. I felt it between him and his daughter, um, but I, I don't know, I, I, but they had these two different storylines going on and there was just something, something not quite right. But, but the movie wasn't bad, like I did, I did enjoy it. What it that is interesting because I'm curious now. What if this was from the daughter's perspective, mm-hmm. and then the scary element would be almost like in Mommy Dearest? No, what's that? What was that one? Oh, not Mommy Dearest. It was was it called Mother? There's the one movie, and it was like a like from like it was like a European movie, and this woman comes back after a car wreck with like her face is all bandaged up, and it's like these twin boys. Yeah, yeah. It's called um. I think it's 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 in French. I think it, or it, Danish it's not called, or something. It's Danish. Yeah, it's called. Um, oh, uh, good night, mommy. That's what good it's night, called. mommy. So, like, let's say that this was like a good night, mommy situation, and it's from her perspective, and she's just getting that her father is fundamentally different, that he's mm-hmm. not the same dad, and she sh- that might have been a more interesting film. I don't know how you would really make that ski. Like, I don't like. I obviously we're just thinking through it now, but I do think because. What you get is like there's so much potential with this young actress. It's like get like oh my god, you have like a treasure trove with this I, actress. Like I, yeah. she was able to do so much with what she had. Imagine if she was given more, you know? I and like, that, like they, if, I feel like this is a movie that you know it's rare when I you know you want you want to 
um, more time on a film, but I feel like it's a film that you could have put another 30 minutes in there and mm-hmm. added another dynamic to it, you know? Like maybe even showed the beginning of like how it all went down because we never saw any of that. That's a thing that's missing. We only, it's only described, it's, it's pretty sure it's only described, right? Like yeah, no, hear, we don't get flashbacks. It's not a flashback movie. Yeah, I mean, I mean is, but I'm right, saying it doesn't even open it, like really with, yeah. So that's the thing that's missing. Like I want to know what was going down that day and certain elements. Right, because then we don't get really the connection between him and his wife. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some that, there's an added element. You know, what was good about Babadook is we get that moment before she's in the car wreck. Yeah. Before the husband dies. We get like a little bit you of gotta, a- You gotta get the car wreck. If there's gonna, you know, if you can't talk about it, you gotta show it, you know? Otherwise you don't feel it. And like, I, honestly, like I do like in media res when we start out in like in the action bef- bef- after the initial event has occurred, sometimes. Mm-hmm. I do like that sometimes, but you're right here because it's so much about the relationships between the characters. If we are taking this into the new Blumhouse era where it is about characters rather than just scares, yeah. then you have to give me more of the characters, right? right. Like we have to get more of the, um, the, 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 almost the melodrama of, of the relationships or something yeah. like that. And I, I didn't have enough of that. I really, because the acting on point, it was just the story was lacking. You know, I just needed, they needed more to work with. I really, I, I mean, just lay it on me. Just lay it on thick. I, I could have taken it. And, and, I, and I really do like Mama do like a lot. And Felicia, I mean, Lord, she, a woman, just give her all the time. Give her when, all the same when, time. When, when, when Thomas in Nolan's body, after he gets knocked out by the, by the wife, um, when he sh- when he shows up at at Felicia's place and he's and he's like what's going on there and she was like give me a moment I'm trying to think and you're just like th- like she just like shut it down right there she was like I'm trying to think thank you like <laughs> she's so cool calm collected you know she's done this and that's th- another thing that's so wonderful about this film it's like she did this fucked up thing but you understand her desperation and um and she's still wrong for it but. You know, she, I mean, on one hand, she, she has advanced science in so many ways, but she's, she's gone. She's taken it a little too far, you know. Well, also like the black box as an extension of her motherhood, right? Because like she has this invention that is, that is, that, that works. She's found a way to make it work, you know? And that is like, she's combining that with her child, which she was not able to make work for whatever, because, because you can't control people the way you can control, um, like, you like technology or your work or whatever and it was like this is almost like now that I'm thinking about it it's like as a you know we make this podcast right and 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 you take pictures and I write and it's like we have this extension of ourselves that we put out into the world that is our work that we more or less have control over right but like it's not analogous to childbirth because it's like you can help you can you can protect that child but you can't control what that child becomes Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, and in and, 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 and one way she was super successful with this technology that she created to ostensibly help people, but then this other creation of hers hurt people, you know? And I imagine like that is like a dissonance that played out in her character quite well because she's not, she's not like, I think like she, she, she loves her son, but she's also when he's like, when he says like, they locked me out and she's just like, fucking already, 
Like you barely been in this body and you're already doing this to your, your, your wife and your kid. Like she's exasperated and she's frustrated with him, but she also loves him. And I think like, man, she's just a, such a great actress. Yeah, she really is. Um... So I think we fixed the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what, if you want to hire us as consultants, if your thing isn't how, just get me and Drea in there and we'll just let you know what you need to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, here we go. This is the season finale of uh, Lovecraft Country. Full circle. Um, the arrival of Sunday's long-awaited season finale. Uh, not series finale. Let's be clear about that. Um, it gave me all the feels, and especially those last 20 minutes. Um, I just, it, it was, they were just really just, pulling punches i cannot believe the shit that they pulled it was <laughs> it was rude and also like kind of amazing i um first off i want to say ruby like oh my god why? No. why and then i mean just to set it off like that it was just like what fuck mm. you christina you fucking bitch i mean um you know i I, I didn't see that coming. And then, you, and then immediately you think back to, you know, the road trip and, ha and, and the hug. And, yeah. you know. No, that's exactly what it was. The, like watching it back the second time and being like, oh, no, I know this bitch. Yeah. And you see actually the actress, how the actress made different choices than when she did when she was just being Ruby. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only thing you get out of the episode about Ruby that kind of, kind of, uh, doesn't make it so bittersweet or or just or not even bittersweet but doesn't make it so painful i should say is the fact that they did reconcile she did go there to do that for her sister and i mean and ultimately it got her killed but i mean that says a lot um and then the battle of the sisters holy shit like ruby throwing them blows uh oh my god honestly i didn't know neither one of them could fight like that uh-uh, me too. Actually, <laughs> wait, I kind of I kind of knew Eve, uh, Miss Eve's Bayou was scrappy, but I, <laughs> I did not know Ruby. I mean, how, how, of course Ruby was sassy as fuck. She's the same one that told them. She's like, she told everybody, fuck you in that bar after they didn't clap for her. So I was like, okay, she's capable of a whole lot. She's clearly been in a bar fight before. <laughs> but Letty can, Letty can take a punch. That's what really? I Really? <laughs> that, and like, she could take a punch. She could block a punch. I mean, the way that like, and she's skinny as fuck. I was like, damn, like, okay. Like, yeah. your bones is made of something. <laughs> <laughs> it's that baby in her. It's that, it's that, uh, that bloodline. Uh, so, and then bitch gets thrown off the side of the building. So dramatic. Oh my God, that was terrifying. Um, and then um, Hippolyta gets to show off her, her freaking combat skills. That shit was amazing. Right. I was like, bring on these villagers because you know this bitch has seen so much combat yes when she was in that dream machine or whatever when she was in the orrery and the other land like she has been in like tens of thousands of battles she was like amazon and dahomey like she knows how to take care of these people but it wasn't and when i was watching it back it she doesn't get captured because of her fighting skills it's because when gia gets taken down hippolyta turns towards her and yeah. is not paying attention anymore and then she yeah. gets taken out yeah which i still 
mm, I don't know if I agree if that should happen, you know? And I, and I looked at it again today and I was just like, no, that doesn't make sense to me. She should have been able to take all those motherfuckers off, like lickety split and sincerely. But anyway, um, we arrive at, um, so that, yeah, they, they arrive at the, where Atticus is about to be sacrificed and, oh, that was awful. So you know, I, I was thinking about this, you know, through the lens of family, mm-hmm. right? We've got mother, daughter, Hippolyta D. We've got father, son, Montrose Tick. We've got um, sisters in, in, in Ruby and Letty. And then we have, you know, there's that moment. There's like that, there's like a beautiful moment where we're in the office and like tick is after he brought Gia back to the fold and we're looking and then like, you know, um, and, and, and D is back in it. And it's like D and Gia and, and Hippolyta and Montrose and Letty. And he's just like looking on them. And like, that's the chosen family, right? That's the new family. That's the one, that's the family. That's the fighting family. Right. And, and then the emerging family between tick and Letty and like how, that like that's what ground that's I think that grounds the series right is family and it can get messy and it can get um dangerous and it can be loving but it is like the intricacies of familial relationships and I think like that's why I like this show so much I mean obviously it's gorgeous obviously it's unprecedented obviously sometimes it's really fucking scary but i think what grounds it is its humanity as like a family drama you know i mean this is dallas but like fucking this is like dallas but like uh from dusk till dawn you know it's like family drama but like also this added like element of horror to it i think that's so for me makes it so successful and makes it so much like i don't question some of the things that happen because i know that like these are done in the service of furthering the relationships of these people to each other and like that's also what makes it so heartbreaking for me when when you know when 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 letty and tick are going down in the elevator and she just kind of holds on to him and in my mind like she knows that Tick knows <laughs> that no matter the outcome, he's still gonna die. Mm-hmm. And like, that's why he doesn't tell Montrose. That's why he has, he gives Hippolyta the letter because Montrose would never be able to accept that. No, like no, Montrose it, has to believe that there's a reality uh, where Tick lives. He would have sabotaged it or, you know, you know. My love. Is there a fucking game tonight or some shit? Oh, there is. It's fucking Uh-oh. Dodgers. There's fireworks going off. If you can hear that shit, it's very annoying. Not very much. Not very much. Okay, whatever. Um, yeah, I, I was. I'm trying to think about you know Mont. Okay, well, finally Mont. You know, after everything goes down and Letty uh, jumps up and the new mark on her was that the mark of the beast. Like, what was that on her? Okay, this is what I thought. So after I watched it the second time, you know the moment where Gia is connected to all of them? Yeah. After the darkness comes up and after Christina gets her invulnerability and we're seeing flashbacks. So we see uh, Dee getting her new arm. We see her connecting to, like, the the black vampire thing, creature, slug, spider thing. And uh, we see Ruby hooked up to some machines and, like, her blood being drawn. You see Ruby get caught, and then you see Ruby uh, dead. 
uh, and getting but, yeah. But then you also see Ruby at the top of the tower after she's Ruby, but Christina. Yeah. After she's thrown Letty off the the out of the tower. Yeah. She says the incantation again, which gives her the invulnerability because she ultimately honors Ruby's wish, which is oh, don't hurt Letty. I miss that. I and I didn't her. get it the first time around. I didn't get it the first time around, but I got it on the second watch. I missed that because like, I, I just kind of, yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. Interesting. But and I that think was what that was... means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so when so when Christina as Ruby redoes the because she takes it away from Letty in the first half and she gives it back to her because I think yeah. Christina actually did. I don't know if she loved Ruby. But she, she felt for Ruby. She did, right? Yeah. And well, she what, did yeah, want... in her own fucked up way, she had... In her own it. fucked up way. Yeah, she and so it. her... And, and I think she was pissed at Letty for involving Ruby. Yeah. Because ultimately that meant she had to kill her. And yeah. her, her last thing was, was, was giving into Ruby's final wish that she, she did not, not have Letty. to kill her. She did not have to kill her. That was... Um, but, you know. And, and she's pissed. And, but, you know, it was Ruby's decision... And Ruby should not have been caught up with her. You know, I, and I'm, that's where I was feeling for a minute. You know, I was mad at Ruby for turning her back on her sister so much and giving her such a hard time. And I'm just like, you know, I'm like, it's the, the anger towards her. I'm like, this is unwarranted. Like, this is not just about Letty. This is about something else. It is, it is about other things, but I did feel for Ruby when they were in that graveyard and Letty was like, give us a vial of Christina's blood. And she's like, you don't get it. All you, you only ever want me as a sister when you want something. And this but might I, seem new to you, but I hear this all the time. And but I, I didn't did think feel for that her. moment was that, you know, I thought, I thought beyond, I thought that things had changed. Um, so there, they had already had yes. multiple, let me say, they had already had multiple um, interactions where Letty had done things in the wrong way. And then, Letty was kind of brainwashed into thinking that she had held money from her when they got the house, you know? And so there was some back and forth, but really Letty had been on the up and up and always trying to do her best, you know? And um, so I I really was just kind of over, you know, hearing Ruby get mad again. I just was, I just was like, I've heard this shit already, you know, like, and that's not what this is. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get what you're saying. And I do think that because, we have also been able to follow Letty. We get that insight into her character and the fact that she is changing her behavior and mm-hmm. she is becoming a more actualized and a better version of herself and a more mm-hmm. feeling version of herself. If we're like, we don't get, well, Ruby has a different perspective and she's just seen this as like a pattern of behavior that has happened with Letty since they were young. But yeah, I see that. Yeah, I see that she's stuck in that, and she's not she's allowed. Stuck. Yeah, she's not she's stuck. allowing to see that her sister has grown, and that's my point. That Letty is shown, and then the, and then and then Letty got thrown under the bus, and never actually really got to explain that to her sister. That yo, I didn't lie to you about that money, you know. And so there's all these. It's it's a lot of like misinformation, <laughs> you know. You know? Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's yeah. so, I mean, that's the fucked up part of it. And that's like what, like, honestly, the function of dramatic irony is that as people consuming this, we know things that the characters don't know about each other. And yeah. that's also what made it great. Because yeah. like, does Ruby ever find out 
that Christina is actually behind the money that went towards the house? Like, does Hippolyta ever know about George and, and, and Tick's mama? Like, she knows, but she don't know. She don't know. But all she don't know. She knows, <laughs> but she knows. Oh, she knows, but she don't know. And, she don't. You know, yeah, I'm, uh, and, and that's to come. I, I'm, I believe that that's, you know, just despite the pandemic and who knows when we get, I hope we get the next, the next season soon and they figure out a way to, you know, you know, coordinate some kind of studio where everybody can get together and get this, the next season out. Cause I need it. But I, um, I personally feel as though I lost my train of thought. Just give me a second. <laughs> <laughs> well, I personally feel as though, I could have had maybe one more sex scene with Jonathan Major before they took him out. That's I, my personal Honestly, <laughs> okay, so I, um, uh, Wunmi uh, Usaku, uh, Osaku, uh, she plays Ruby. She posted pictures, uh, just, you know, thankful and, you know, just an, an abundance of love for everything that's, you know, that this show gave to her, a gift. Uh, and then there was a picture at the end, it was just her and, and Christina and William. And it's just like, and they're like all in their old clothes, like smoking cigarettes together. And I was just like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, ooh, damn. But anyway, I, yeah, I thought that shit was spicy. But yeah, uh, who knows? Maybe uh, we can manifest that those two get together in real life. You know, strange things have happened. What do you make? Okay, so I love Hippolyta and D. I oh, love their relationship, but I really felt yeah. it when, when D was like, you left me. Mm-hmm. Like that's I just relate to that because, you know, I, yeah, I, my parents and being a military child, there was, there was a time, you know, in my life, you know, one of the hardest times in my life, my dad had his second stroke um, after he did experimental diving. And so he got, had to get medevac to Canada and my whole family split apart. And it was supposed to be like this really great time in Hawaii, but it turned out to be like six months of greatness. And then the rest of the time I was, I didn't know my brothers got to stay together. I had to go stay with like family members and I didn't know what the fuck was going on. And, and that stuff is still to this day affected me. But, um, you know, I, I know better and I know that things happen for a reason. And, you know, my mom was trying her best to keep things afloat, but, uh, yeah, it still affected me. I'm still, I should like, I was really kind of low-key traumatized by all that. And I, I really did feel abandoned and like forgotten. So, you know, and, and so I, but it also, I hate that I felt that way towards them. So it's like, when I see moments like that, like I felt through D and then it hurt me to see Hippolyta hurt. And, you know, I know so many black women and girls, you know, they're just watching that show and they see themselves through that, those two characters. Um, yeah, I think that those, those characters were done beautifully. But I think like coming out of an experience like that, you being who you are, and, and, and I think that ultimately, you know, when you talk about things happen for a reason, I think ultimately that contributed to your empathy as a person. Mm-hmm. And being able to see it both from Dee's perspective and Hippolyta's perspective. You know, and like Hippolyta was off being big Hippolyta, naming herself being as big as she wanted to, being as big as she could, as big as she, larger than she could have ever imagined and living these lives and and being a warrior and an entertainer and a scholar and everything that was denied to her as a woman, as a black woman, as a person coming up at this time. And then like 
renaming herself as mother yes. and being brought back to D. Yes. When D really needed her. And I always her. knew, like, you know, like I felt that love, you know, that's the love I feel from my mother, my mother, you know, I just, I knew she was going to choose her daughter. I, I, there's just no, all the, th- she got to do it all. And now that she's gotten to do it all, like she knows exactly where her heart, her real home is and her home is with her family. And, um, you know, without that little girl who, who is just, oh my goodness, I'm so impressed by her, you know, like she's so amazing. Um, I, I really want to say like, okay, her, okay, let's take a pause because I should have had her name up, but I don't. Okay. I really want to say that, you know, Jada Harris, um, who plays D is, you know, she is my, that's my Shiro. That is my ultimate character. That's me. (laughs) That's me. And Mm -hmm. when, so when her mother is like, I don't care what you think, what, what they say, like, I'm going to, I promise you, I'm going, you will we'll draw again. This will happen. I love and, that moment. Yeah. I loved that moment. Yes. And, and then the door opens and then I, you, you just hear gadgets. So immediately I was like thinking like batteries not included and uh, like, have you ever seen batteries not included? Like, oh my God. No. Oh my God. It's, it's, it's classic. You have to see it. It's like the most, it's lovely from the eighties and you'll love it. Um, but, um, when we we fast forward to the final scene of Christina under a fucking slab of rock and and it's little D and she's she she uh uh descends over this this little hill and and with one of those beasts as her sidekick already so fucking cool moving loved back it, like and then she looks at her and she's like D help me she's like and she's like they they still haven't learned She's talking to the beast, basically. And, and then she reveals her arm that her mother built her, like mechanically engineered for her. Loved it. Loved and it. receives this bows over her and crushes her, her neck and just, oh, it's so awesome. I love it so much. Oh, yeah. I was not expecting that ending. I was not expecting that ending, but I was also like, Christina, bitch, you should have done what you did. Like, I don't know what you were expecting. You, like, calling out for D to help you? Are you kidding me? Like... I mean, she's pathetic. I mean, oh, and I also forgot to the fact that uh, just before that, that Letty had banished all white people from ever having magic. <laughs> that moment where she, where Christina was like, what, what was the, you've banished, where she, she banished me from magic. Mm-hmm. And she was like, not just you. All, white. all you bitches, <laughs> all you white ass bitches can't do magic no more. No, none of you. That was like, you know, like I just felt that. I, like, I cheered. No <laughs> white people do magic no more. Like that was just, I was like, damn, Misha Green, you went and did that shit. Like that was just. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just sprinkle this in right here. <laughs> yeah, I love that moment uh too much, I, I must admit. I um I'm trying to think. Oh, um so I was talking with my cousin uh Elon today, Miss Elon Washington. Um and she she works for Monkey Paw Productions. She was telling me about how much certain things they fought 
to like really not have in, in the show that, you know, that they were, she was really upset about that they just, they couldn't win those fights. They tried to get the Emmett Till scene taken out because it just really had no relevance. They felt to the storyline and they, or, and, and they also wanted to have the, uh, the native transgender character to be taken out because unless you're going to expound upon these characters, there is no point to bring it up. Um, mm. And, uh, but I, you know, I proceeded to, you know, just explain to her, you know, I'm just, from my standpoint, I, I understand being connected to it, but to see where the book started to who was created, who was inspired by and what has now been uh, created and manifested from it, it, it is, it's a miracle. It's amazing that anything like that even exists on TV and that like, we got to just witness this. It is incredible. And there will be flaws. There will be roadblocks. But this is such a huge um, hurdle we have just overcome right now. And it's just opening up the gates. Um, we're also going to have her on next week as a guest. So, yeah. Yeah. And also this show was like three years worth of work, mm-hmm. you know, and there are so many moving parts. And like, mm-hmm. you know. They're going to have a, a crafting Lovecraft County uh, special coming out on the 26th on HBO Max. It's come on 8.45 Pacific Standard Time. It's called Crafting Lovecraft Country. I said county. I'll be there. Be there, be square, bitch. <laughs> um, so what do you think about um, season two? Like, what do you think could come for that? Like, I think Addis, we'll Atticus be- will come back. My mother says she thinks that the beast is George, which I kind of love that idea. Huh. Yeah. Okay, okay. I don't think, I, honestly, I don't. Atticus coming back would, I don't think I would like that. Why is because, that? Okay, I think it would take away from the emotional resi- uh, resonance of those last 20 minutes. Because, like, there is so much on the line. And, like, when they're taking his body, like, Gia, Hippolyta, Montrose, and Letty are, are taking his body across the bridge. Like, there is so much weight to, the, to those scenes and to his sacrifice and to that moment with him and Letty in the elevator. And when Montrose gets the letter from Hippolyta, I think part of what makes that work is the fact that, like, it is the result of a loss. And mm-hmm. if he were to come back... For me, it would almost cheapen the emotional weight of those moments. However, they do have a functional superhero team now. Yeah. Because we've got D with the arm and the beast. Uh, uh, Letty has her uh, invulnerability. Hippolyta is all kinds of everything. Like Gia is a succubus Kumiko. Like I feel like they have this badass team now. Montrose got problems. (laughs) (laughs) he got a flask like that's his superpower (laughs) so i think like maybe like they could functionally as a team like solve other supernatural problems and crimes i um yeah i i i just don't think that his character should have died that's where i'm at that's where i stand with it and that's why i would be okay with his character coming back it, it, uh, that's the only reason. I mean, but but also, if I, if I could think off the top of my head, like there have been films where characters have died and have come back. It's been it's very few and far between films and shows where it's worked. But the the ones that have worked, and I'm, I'm not next week. I'm gonna come up with the list. Um, 
when you can make it work, it's like, you know, you, the writing has to be on point. And I feel like they can really bring that together for this. I just don't, I just personally just felt like that was an unnecessary sacrifice. I'm, you I mean, know, that's I, I mean, her and, and yes. Ruby on top of it, it was just too much. I just, I'm, I get it. I get it. And the thing is like, I wanted them to live, but yeah as a creator or as a writer or as a person putting something together, you have to not give people what they want all the time. Sometimes well, you can't give, ev- you can't give people but I'm not everything the average, that they want. I'm not the average audience member. I'm speaking from like, not even a Sam, I'm not even speaking from a fan's uh, perspective. I'm thinking like, so, I mean, I really just don't think it made sense for him to die. Like I really don't. It, like that's just purely how I feel on it. But it, if, if I felt as though, yeah, it felt like a mistake to me. That's what it felt like. So I feel like there, there might be room for him to come back. But, you know, I'm not going to keep my hopes up. I, I certainly won't. But when I want to see him back, I, I, I mean. I mean, personally, I also back. want to see him come back. You <laughs> like wanna I, You want to see that back. That's what you want to see. That, you know, I, I wouldn't hate it if it popped up on my TV screen. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I don't. I want Tick to be alive. Like, I want Tick to come back, but I also know, like, and hearing Misha Green talk about it, like, she doesn't want to give you what you want. Yeah. Yeah. I just... As, like, a, as like, a, as like a philosophy, like, she likes conflict and she likes subverting expectations. But, I mean, but, but, there's, but there's ways to, to tease the audience. So she didn't give me what I wanted. I wanted him to live. And I, but I, that doesn't mean he can't come back. There, there he, there is, this is science fiction. This is fictional writing. It's not real. Therefore, you know, sky's the limit. Um, and if she knows what's good for her, she's going to make sure he comes back. <laughs> Well said. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I could see... Yeah, I'm just, I'm obsessed with D and what that character turned into. And I really, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm hoping for, you know, I, I'm looking forward to whatever comes forward. Just bring it. Uh, I'm here. You know, there's a lot of big, big opinions out there right now. People are, they, they have big opinions, strong opinions. And, mm-hmm. you know, some people are upset. Some people are just in for it, in for the ride. That I'm in, I'm in it for the ride. I believe you are too, Tommy. Oh, yeah. We love this ride. And yeah. um, we've been really happy to discuss this show. Um, we can't wait to start discussing it again soon. So Honestly, if this was Six Flags, I'd get off the ride and I'd go right back around to the end of the line just to get back on the ride. And I'll do it seven, 20, what a 20 times. That's a way to describe that. That is exactly <laughs> what this is. Um, this is like, what's that ride? Um, like X2 or like... Viper. No, fucking Viper's terrible. That gives you a headache. I know. I was just like, honestly, like as soon as I said that, I just remembered like Viper, you do this. It's your head. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. Tatsu. Yeah, this is, this shit is Tatsu. All right. I haven't been to a theme park in a very long time. So I don't Aww. know about Tatsu. I mean, Viper was from my childhood. So we need to get our <laughs> but it's like, wow, I'm a little bit fucked up in the head, honestly. We need I think to get Viper- our six flags cards and go get some, some stress out at the amusement park. Just scream all day. It'll be lovely. Okay. But here's the thing. Amusement parks combine my three least favorite things. What's that? Which is large crowds, there's no, lines, there's no tra- and children. There's, no, no. There, it's, it's all annoying teenagers. 
um, and most of them run the park. And then uh, the little kids don't hang out there. It's not as popular as it used to be. And yeah, it, it, you can just basically just run around the parks, get on all the rides all day and not really be bothered. And get your ice, your lemonade icy on all day. Do they I've serve been, alcohol there or no? No, you got, it'd be YOB. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. But not, I'm not saying I need alcohol to have a good time. I just was curious if they had alcohol at the park. That's no, all. No, no, don't, no, you no, don't no, fucking no. judge me. I ain't Montrose. I ain't trying to sneak in a flask everywhere I go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. We are having an intervention for Mr. Pico. <laughs> <laughs> not aware of this but yeah that will be coming up um, pretty shortly um i, just, I can't hear what she's saying I mean, sometimes like drea gives these like decibels or just like i can't actually hear you anymore i don't who's drea who i don't even know what's going on what's happening drea who <laughs> excuse me what up what up what up our scream queen this week is miss coco jones as rita in Vampires versus the Bronx, uh, directed by Osmeni Rodriguez, written by him and Blaze Hemingway. This is a different kind of gentrification movie. A group of teens have to defend their neighborhood against uh, vampires with a real estate empire. I thought this movie was super cute. Uh, I saw it a couple weeks ago. Um, it's a little bit Lost Boys. It's a little bit, a little bit what we do in they the shadows. A lot of stuff, yeah. And a little bit like in the Heights. You know what I mean? Like, and even a lot of the same actors who are in the in the Heights, the 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 movie that's coming out are like in this movie. Um, I, you know, I was talking about this with Drea. We were texting about it. And I nominated Coco Jones and she was like, you know, I did want to really like this movie. They didn't give her enough to do as Rita, which I agree with. He doesn't, but I mean, like smart. They gave her some cool lines, you know, but yeah, she didn't, you know. But as a character, she is the only person who believed the boys when they talk about it's vampires and she was like, well, they don't have souls. So you can't see their reflection. She was ready with the crucifixes and everything like that. Like, and also she did become a part of the group in the last. Well, she has to force herself minutes. into the group. They take off and they head to the thing without her. She shows up stakes ready. And oh, the night before, after the, Tony gets killed, uh, uh, Mero, I don't know why I just said his name like that, but Mero from Jesus and Mero, um, mm-hmm. De Sousa and Mero. Is it Jesus or Jesus? Whatever. I think um, it's Jesus. Yeah, I always say Jesus. So I'm gonna go keep it with Jesus. Um, so she's like, um, basically, I love the line about how she's like, I'm, I'm, I'm Haitian, so I basically my whole life has made me prepared for it, this kind <laughs> of shit, vampires, all that shit, and um, she. Yeah, they, they don't let her get any like physical contact with them. She, they're about to get ready to go fight the vampires. And then she's like, I got to go run, warn the neighborhood. And then she leaves. And then everybody comes back. And then homegirl throws her Timberland at the, <laughs> <laughs> at the vampire. That was a moment in cinema history. <laughs> I cackled, bitch. You I like jumped up out of my seat. <laughs> That was the best part of this whole movie was that yeah. one second. <laughs> <laughs> but it did, you know, I did like that there was, the, you know, nod to like Dee Samara Bodega Boys and he was the Bodega Man. It, um, he did a great job, and it, but he was playing himself. And, yeah, I mean, actually yeah, a very yeah. muted version of himself because he's much louder than that. 
And uh, also Method Man as the preacher. Um, yeah. We got some moments with like, oh, what I like to, okay, so in the, in the mythology of vampires here, first of all, I love the fact that like their reference to vampire shit was Blade. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like Dracula. It wasn't Study nothing else. Blade it was Blade as a guide, of, like a how-to guide. And it was fucking yeah. dope, yeah. Uh, so I love that. I also loved, because also, honest, most times in, in, in vampire movies and in zombie movies, people, like, it, those things don't exist in popular culture. So they don't even know that they exist. And, like, this is a movie that's very aware of popular culture and knows that vampires exist. So I, I appreciated that. Um, yeah. Also, there was a weird twist in this one in the lore of the vampire, which is, like, they can't turn people into vampires unless they have some ashes from the first vampire. Yeah. They had to and blow so them in their face and then or throw it on or whatever. And so effectively that makes vampires kind of an endangered species. So they're not as they're they're menacing definitely and they're taking over, but they can't just turn people anytime. It has to be through a special circumstance. So I thought that was like very different I in in the terms of vampire lore. I like that as like a device there were some red herrings and plot holes that i was a little bit they like were major I and i listen <laughs> I and i told you okay i liked it watching this i liked what i liked it watching this movie um <laughs> second time uh i really i got i was able to get into it and not critique it you know because some it's hard not to put my my critique glasses on when i'm watching certain things sometimes um the, the second time around, I was like, okay, this is just fun. There's some hilarious jokes in here. Um, I also, you know, some of the, the, the same, like, they use some of the old, uh, how, like, horror tropes. Like, well, I mean, one cool thing they did was, like, Zoe Saldana, the very beginning of the movie, um, very similar to Psycho, you know, killing off the lead or, you know, a big actress that you don't expect to die so quick. You know, that was a cool little spin. I didn't, I liked that. Um I, yeah, I just definitely, I liked the homegirl that was um, filming everything, you know? She oh, had, like, right. she was great. Going. She was so yeah. uh, charismatic. Yeah, I wanted to watch that show. The film. She's so dope. Yeah. She's so dope. And um, I was like, why didn't she, they, the, the females were not used, utilized in this, in this movie. I was very disappointed by that. But I really did like the cast. The boys were very cute, very funny. They did a really good job. Did uh, you think when you were watching it, because like there was the one, the really, the, the, the cute nerdy kid with like the, like the weird sideways lips. Yeah. Um, so his whole thing was like, he had low blood sugar. And yeah. I was certain they were going to do something with that. Like a vampire was going to bite him and then like, I don't know, spit out his blood or so there was going to be something connected to his blood sugar. But that never came, that never became something. Yeah. I, again, I, it was just an oversight, like a big one. There was a lot of them and you just kind of have to like, I mean, it's, it's really awesome effort. And I like that what they went for. I like, I love the cast. I you know, I just, I just, I love what the, uh, the focal point and seeing brown people on mm-hmm. and doing something like this. It's very cool. Um, it could have been, and also like, like multi-ethnic brown people yeah. in a neighborhood and being like, yeah, it's showing you the, the real Bronx. Like, and, 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 well, okay, no vampires, but it, it, it's very similar. You know, you're getting a, a feel of that vibe. Um, I don't know where this was probably not really shot in the Bronx. This is probably shot in a lot. So I want to kind of step back and say, I felt the vibe. It, it was believable. 
Um, I, we'll have to ask Nolika if it was if it was Bronx approved. One of our yeah. one of the producers at at, at Domino yeah, Sound is uh, in the Bronx. We yeah, we should we should we next should time we have a meeting. We'll ask Nolika. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I was texting. I was texting Drea about the, I was just like, I love, cause like, you know, I've been in New York for a really long time. Obviously I know a lot of people from the Bronx and I just like love the way that Nolika says horror because it's Hara. Hara? I just, she was like, I love what you guys are doing with Hara. And I just like, I'm like transported back to New York. I just love it so much. Um, also to say that Murnau Investments was the name of the real estate company of the vampires, which was a callback to F.W. Murnau who was the director of Nosferatu in 1922. I picked that up because of the internet, not, I mean, actually, I picked that up because I'm a very observant person, not because of the internet at all. No, I knew that, I just knew that. I just knew that, because I'd be smart like that, because I'd be smart like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you were smart like that. I, um, overall, it was, it's a fun film, Netflix, quick watch, you know, it's 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 pleasant and it's family friendly. You know, you know, it's not too gory. It isn't. It isn't. And okay, so the one the the thing I love the most about um, the girl whose Instagram live is kind of curating the experience yeah. is that in a very traditional Shakespearean sense, like she is, you know, like like one of like one of the muses that's like framing the story. Yeah. And I thought that that was at once like also like. Um, in a literary sense, very traditional, but like also in a contemporary sense, like very innovative. And I appreciated that. Yeah. No, I thought it was clever. Um, it felt very hip hop, hip hop, hip, hip hop, you know. <laughs> <It's> hip hop. <laughs> New York is I... hip So, no, I felt like, yeah, I, um, I, again, I, though I felt like she was underutilized, I also was like, no, no, I like the fact that she was just able to document and be this overseer of things and, you know, the eyes of the neighborhood. Um, I really, though, I really, really wanted Coco's character, Rita, to have, like, you know, they, they really get in like, like a jab. Yeah. Like Even just at a the jab. end, when Homeboy takes out Girl, it is and he like joust on his bike with the with with his bat that's all shit you know to be a stake (laughs) it is so underwhelming when he crashes into her it's like what the fuck was that you know i I just i didn't understand it should you could have given rita sammy sosa's bat somebody yeah she could have got a punch she could have landed something yeah yeah like maybe he should have like wobbled and then she like takes the the stake and like lodges it like it she should have once again just get me and drea on your consulting team and we'll fix hello. your movie hello people understand <laughs> that is perfect if he'd wobble and fallen off the bike and in that last moment rita picks it up and driven that back that bat in that bitch's chest that would have made it for me Yes. That would have cemented. I mean, I loved I loved like the way that Coco Jones played this, but like that would have made the movie. Yeah. Yeah. She should have had the final blow because they kept giving her, you know, they kept like brushing her aside, you know, and then so it would have only been right for her to get that final thing. It just. But anyway, like, like, okay, here's here's what it would be like if he tripped, if his bike tripped over the Timbaland. That got thrown. What the fuck should have happened? That's what should have happened. 
That's and then exactly. and then Rita picked up the bat and then got that bitch in the chest. That would have been fucking hilarious, and it would have made sense with the character, and it would have innovated on the genre. Yeah. Again, we are we're here available. available. We're as consultants. You can, we can come and fix your movie. We can come and fix your motherfucking movie. We'll fix that shit. Let us do that <laughs> for you. <laughs> All right, so Coco Jones as Rita in Vampires vs. the Bronx. You're a screen queen this week, baby. Baby, baby. What up, queens? Don't forget, we got a Google Voice number, and we want to hear from you. What's the scary... <laughs> can't, no, <I'm> <laughs> No, just keep going, keep going. You're Period. good, you're good, you're what good. What is the scardest you've ever been in the theater? <laughs> what happened? Paint us a picture. Uh, you might find yourself on the show, okay? Um, our new Google, Google Voice number is 619-289-9052, okay? That's 619-289-9052, all right? The, so, the, yeah. the, the way you say penis a picture sounds a lot like penis picture. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. I'm not going to put words in your mouth. Uh, catch us next week, same time, same place. Uh, we're going to be talking about bad hair uh, and something else that we haven't maybe figured out yet, but we're on the edge of. We're edging you, we're verse, we're good. Uh, we top and bottom, it's all good. And uh, our screen queen, we're going to figure out, we'll let you know. You can maybe pick, find it on our Instagram, who knows, but you know, we'll let, when you know, when we know, you know. When we know, you know. When we know, you know. Okay. Oh my God. That's you're a little aggressive. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> I was channeling a top. Okay. I just oh, wow. I felt inspired. Oh, don't take it out on the audience, Jesus. Um, <laughs> Scream Queen is produced by Alexandra De Palma and Domino Sound. With theme music by Doc Allison. I am Drea Washington. <laughs> uh, you can find me on the gram at hey girl that's oh hey girl hey that's h-e-y-g-r-l-h-e-y i am tommy teebs pico um i had an erotic experience in a parking lot while i was getting my hair cut pico uh you can find me on instagram at hey teebs h-e-y-t-e-b-s and you can find us on instagram at scream queen podcast and online at ScreamQueenPodcast.com. Send us some love notes at ScreamQueen at gmail.com. That's S-C-R-E-E-E-M, Queen at gmail.com. And in the scary movie of your life. You better. All right, head voice. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 